Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we are about to have with you, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray you will speak to them and touch them in your own special way. It is you, Heavenly Father, that knows what's going on in their lives, O Lord God, their dreams, their aspirations, the challenges that they're in, O Lord God. So I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, that you will touch them in your own special way. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy name in the master's name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1 and uh, welcome you to Resurrection Sunday. If you're listening to this on Resurrection Sunday or if you Listening to it before Resurrection Sunday, I pray that you have a blessed, a blessed one in remembering and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We realize that Resurrection Sunday is, is the most important time uh, on the Christian calendar. It's very, very important to us because it commemorates the, uh, uh, the time on the cross and Jesus' victorious resurrection and defeat of the enemy and setting us thereby setting us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death, you know, and uh, we all know the story of the crucifixion, and uh, and and, and we've all heard it since we, we were children. You know, I remember when I was very small, my parents would read to me from the Bible about it and so forth, and uh, even those that are not believers know of the events of the crucifixion, whether or not they accept it or believe it or realize what it did, even for them, even though they are unbelievers, what or what is available to them, let me say, because of the uh, resurrection. Um, we all know about it, but what does, does it really mean to us? Uh, today, here in the 21st century, okay, and also looking at the crucifixion, but what about the events after the crucifixion, okay, and that's what I want to talk a little bit about today, what significance does it hold for us today beyond just being a, a nice set of events or a nice story that we were told, we all know the events of the crucifixion and resurrection again, but do we understand the why or the purpose behind uh, what, what God created for us by his uh, son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to really understand its significance. It was just a you know, fascinating series of events, or is it something that really has an impact on us today? Okay, and that's what I want to talk about, as I said. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole horrible beating and his trip down Golgotha on the way to the cross, but I want to move right to the time on the cross there and what happened and looking, looking at the events on the cross and then what happened after the cross, okay? So why don't we start by going to Mark 15, 22. Mark 15, 22. And if you don't have your Bible, that would be a good time to say, why don't you go and get your Bible and come back and join us. Get a, a piece of paper, maybe a pencil, a marker. If you're looking at a paper Bible, then mark up some notes and passages out of the Holy Spirit. So guide, because, you know, he'll bring back those those um, scriptures and that we study to remembrance when you need them to know the most, when you need to have them. Okay? So starting with um, Mark 15, verse number 22. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon him that uh, what every man should take. It was the third hour that they crucified him. It was the third hour they crucified him. Okay. So this is when they put him on the cross. Okay. It was the third hour. Now, Hebrew time starting at 6 a.m. in the morning and so forth. So the third hour would, would put it at 9 a.m. So it was 9 a.m. that Jesus was there on the cross. 
Okay. Now we know from last week's message and from reading scriptures before this, we know that uh, um, he was arrested after he had that prayer at, at uh, Gethsemane. Crowd came, the soldiers came and took him away and so forth. And then he had that quote unquote, I say mock trial, which ended up going him going before Pilate, which was illegal by the way, by Jewish custom, because they never held trials at night and this was nighttime. Okay. So he was, he was taken before Pilate. We know that our, um, Pilate and uh, in having Jesus before the crowd there, they asked because it was the tradition that they would release uh, one prisoner that time of year because it was leading into Passover. And Pilate said, is it Barabbas? Barabbas was a murderer and a thief and everything else. Would it be Barabbas or Jesus? That crowd, that same crowd now, okay, who a week before that uh, ushered him into on the on the ass on the uh, back of a donkey there and ass and said, "Hail, Hosanna!" You know, praises to the Most High and all that sort of thing. And they waved palms at him and they praised him. That same crowd now was calling for his death. They said, "Release Barabbas!" So at that point, Pilate says, "If you remember and you read the scriptures, Pilate said, I washed my hands of this.' You know, this man has no guilt. I washed my hands, and he, they uh, and he said, "Okay, crucify him." And that's how Jesus then went on his way to the cross. Again, I'm skipping over the beating and all of the torturing that he went through before that to get to the cross, okay? So it was 9 o'clock in the morning that they put him on the cross, okay? Now we see if we go to Matthew 27, Matthew 27, verse 45, Matthew 27, verse 45, we see it says, now from the sixth hour, okay, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Okay, so the third hour was when he was put on the cross. Now, three hours later, sickness. Uh, uh, the sixth hour, darkness was all over the land until the ninth hour. Okay, so he was there on the cross all of that time, and they say this darkness was all over the land. Now, if you go into, if you really want to get deep into this and everything, you look at what some of the historians and and uh, um, astronomers and things like that say. Because some people try to say it was simply an eclipse. Okay, well, I say to you. It was not an eclipse. This darkness lasted for three hours. All right, an eclipse does not last that long. All right, we had one here in the, the northern hemisphere. Here, oh, what was I think it was 2019, I believe it was, and uh, it was a solar eclipse, and uh, it, I think it lasted seven minutes. All right, but if you look it up, you'll see eclipses do not last for three hours. Okay, so this was that this was an unnatural or a supernatural, I should say, a supernatural darkness. Darkness was all over the land until the ninth hour, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" That is to say, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Why has God forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that say, "This man called for Elias." And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. I'm just going to pause there for a moment because a couple of points I want to make here. And it, it says there that, uh, uh, that he gave up, he gave up the ghost and he cried out to the father. And I want to emphasize again that during those three hours, which the darkness continued, Jesus was in agony and he was suffering. Okay. At his father's displeasure, you know, against the sin of man, he was suffering. He was suffering. And the, the sin of man was being poured out upon him during this time. And for which now he was making himself an offering. He was making himself an offering um, for the sins that mankind had committed against God. Jesus was a final sacrificial lamb. 
This was going into, this was the Passover season here, okay? This was the Passover season where they had to sacrifice a lamb during this time of year. Jesus was the final sacrificial lamb. Because of the work that he was done, that he did, man does not have to make sacrifices. Jewish people do not have to make sacrifices anymore. He was the final. And never were there such three hours since the day that God created man upon the earth. It was the turning point for man's redemption and salvation. All right. It was the turning point. So while he, he hung there, just, just you know, crying out, and when he said, Eli, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was actually quoting what was written in the uh, book of Psalms. He was quoting what was written in the book of Psalms uh, 22, verse 1, to be exact. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Okay. So he was quoting right there from Psalm. He was crying. And what he was basically saying, why have you forsaken me? Because as you've probably heard me say, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. So he was always with the father. But at this particular time that he was hanging there on the cross, because he was taking on the sins of mankind, God the father could not look at him because he was so full of this sin. Jesus himself never sinned once. He was sinless, okay? As in the scriptures there during Passover, the Israelites had to take an unblemished lamb to sacrifice. They could not sacrifice a blemished lamb. They had to have an unblemished lamb. Jesus Christ was unblemished to the point that he had no sin of his own. He did not commit any sin. But at this time, he took on the sins of mankind. So God the Father could not look at him because the word of God says God cannot look on sin. So at that point in time, God had to turn his back and look away from his beloved son. And that's where Jesus felt the fact that God the Father had turned away. And that's why he cried out, Eli, 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 lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far, far, so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Okay. So this is what he felt. Okay. And then, of course, the scripture goes on to say that he cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up the ghost. Okay. After he said that, then he yielded up the ghost. So before he expired, by the way, it says that he he cried out with a loud voice. Jesus spoke in his full strength to show that his life was not taken from him, not at all. He was giving up the ghost, not like he was dying from weakness. He yielded up the ghost. He had been beaten mercilessly, and, and I mean, he was in really bad shape, you know. And I mean, he was bloody. They had this thorn of uh, uh, crown of thorns on his head. He was beaten and everything like that. And plus, he was hanging there on this cross in a, in a lot of pain, I'm sure. You know, but he, with a loud voice, he said, I, I give up the ghost. At this point, I'm giving up the ghost. But he willingly did it. Man didn't take his life. He gave his life. He yielded up the ghost. Now, if we go to John 19, 28, we get some more, some more information uh, on what was happening here. Okay, John 19, John 19, verse 28. In verse 28, see, it says that after this, Jesus, uh, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was a set, uh, there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Now if you have that, that, that highlighter or pencil underlining your Bible, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, okay? 
So John gives us a little more insight into what he actually said at that point in time, whereas the scriptures we just read before said he gave up the ghost. But what he said there, crying out in a loud voice, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And we have to remember that it is finished. In the original Greek in which this was written, the word that he used there for finished is tetelestai. Tetelestai. It is tetelestai, if you will. Okay. But he said tetelestai. Tetelestai means that the mission was accomplished. The job was completed. It is in its final stage. Remember that word, tetelestai, because everything that Jesus came to do, he completed. He came to set us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death. He came here to preach the good news. He came to do what the Father told him to do. He came to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He came to give the Sermon on the Mount. He came to lay hands on the blind and the sick and the lame. He came to heal. He came to preach. He did all of that. He did exactly what God the Father told him to do. So now he says, tetelestai, okay? Where you're sitting right now, you say the word, tetelestai. You've been working and doing something from your bo- for your boss. It's been a long, arduous task that you've worked on. Maybe it took you many hours, many days, many weeks, or maybe even some years. But finally, when it's finished, you probably go and you present that to your boss and you say, tetelestai. It is finished. So Jesus was saying that his mission was indeed accomplished and that there was nothing else that needed to be done. And that's something that we need to realize also. That the work that Jesus did on the cross set the stage for us, for us today, set the stage for our lifetimes. It is completed. Okay. You have, you're missing joy in your life. Jesus said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay. Everything, you know, healing, healing by Jesus stripes, we are healed. All right. Everything and anything you can think of that you need in this life is available to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is what the cross is all about. And Jesus said, tetelestai, meaning it was finished. The son of God went upon the cross. His physical body did die. It actually did die. The violence and the pain that he was put through, his spirit was separated from his body. And so his body was left really and truly dead. There was physically a body upon that cross. Okay. Nothing, nothing, nothing strange or fantastic about it to the fact that whether or not his body dead, whether or not his body was dead, his body was indeed dead. And I remember there was a book, oh, back in the 60s, late 60s, I think it was, that was called The Passover Plot, written by a bunch of unbelievers who were trying to shoot, um, shoot holes at the crucifixion. And they said that uh, Jesus wasn't really dead. The sponge that they offered to give him to drink was actually a drug that put him into a death-like sleep, and he was, he was not really dead. Jesus was dead, folks. You better believe it. And at that point in time, his body was, was dead, and his, his, separ- his spirit separated from that body. Okay? He yielded up the ghost. He yielded up his spirit. Okay? But he was truly dead. Jesus spent six hours on that cross, six hours. The first three hours, as I said before, from 9 a.m. to noon, and the second six hours was from noon to three. The second uh, three, a set of three hours was from noon to 3 p.m. They saw a total of six hours. It was certain that Christ did die for what was necessary that he should die. He had to, to undertake to, to all that he went through to make himself an offering for sin, and he did it when he willingly gave up his life. And now if we go to Matthew 27, Matthew 27, verse 51, verse 51, okay, 
And it says here, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain or rent in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Truly, this was the son of God. Okay. So you see here in verse 51, it says at the time he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost. At that point in time, the veil of the temple was ripped in two. Okay. Now, the temple had three parts. There was the outer court and the inner court. And then there was the Holy of Holies. Okay. Okay. That was the most holy part of the entire temple, the Holy, Holy of Holies. That was the holy place that only the high priest could go into once a year. Okay. He, he could do, no one else could go into that Holy of Holies. Okay. And when that, 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 that and, and it was, was, was uh, separated from the inner court by this heavy curtain, it was called a veil, referred to as a veil. Outer court, inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. Right there before the Holy of Holies, you could not enter in. There was a heavy curtain that was there to pre- prevent anyone from going through. At that point in time, that he said, it is finished and gave up the ghost. That curtain which prevented man from entering into the most holy place, the holy of holies of the temple, that curtain which prevented man from entering in was now ripped apart. That was signifying that because of what Jesus did, that now man had access to God through Jesus Christ. You and I have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay? We don't need another man to represent us. We don't need a high priest. We don't need somebody else. You don't need a minister. You don't need a pastor. You, you don't need the Pope. You don't need anybody else for you to, to, to act as, a, as an intercessor for you to talk to God. You have access directly to God through Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So again, again, you know, the, 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 the crucifixion, the resurrection. Okay. All of this has significant meaning for us today in the 21st century. You got a problem going on in your life and so forth like that. You have access to God through Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. You got a sickness going on in your life. Okay. With Jesus stripes, you are healed. You can go right before God and say in the name of Jesus, heavenly father, God, I've got this ailment and so on like that. And I believe in accordance with your word that with Jesus stripes, I am healed. You got a challenge going on with your boss, challenge going on in school, challenge going on with a family member, a loved one or whatever it may be. You can take that issue to God directly in the name of Jesus. You need to go find a priest. You don't need to go find a pastor. You don't need to go find a, a bishop, an archbishop or the pope or anyone else, you know, you know, to pray for you. You can pray directly to God in the name of Jesus. This is what the resurrection means for us today in the 21st century. And the Lord knows we certainly need to be able to approach God today. We need it. With all that's going on, you know, with, with the children in the schools or, you know, you know politically and, and, and health-wise. And every time you turn around, they want to bring up another plague and another, uh, another uh, disease or something like that. It's always something going on where you don't know, whom to, be, you don't know, know, know to whom uh, you should listen like you don't know who to believe. You see things on the news. You see things on in internet and in newspapers or whatever. And everyone's got an angle. You don't know. You don't know who is telling the truth. God is telling the truth. And because of what is was done on the cross, you have access to God in the name of Jesus to 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 be to find out exactly what is the truth. And that has very practical application today. 
Here's somebody speaking about something and someone else is saying this and someone else is saying that. And you're like, gee whiz, who's telling the truth? Ask the Lord who's telling the truth and Holy Spirit will tell you who's telling you the truth. This is what the cross did for us. So I'm not going to go and go entirely there today, but we know that because of the cross and what Jesus did in, in, in his death and resurrection, that he made the way for us to receive Holy Spirit. Okay. If he hadn't gone to the cross, if all of this had not happened, we would not have access to Holy Spirit. Because prior to this time, prior to this, God gave his Holy Spirit only to those that he chose. And those were the prophets that we see written in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit came upon them as God chose. Okay, as God chose. That's the prophets always says, you know, and the, the word of God says, and, and, and the spirit of the Lord came upon so-and-so and he spoke. The spirit of the Lord came upon so-and-so and he spoke. Okay. These, these, were, these, were, these were at precise times that God decided to give his Holy Spirit to a prophet to speak forth a message and so forth. But now today, because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, because of the resurrection, we have access to Holy Spirit. Okay, we have Holy Spirit in us and guiding us. So, yes, the resurrection has significant meaning to us today here in the 21st century. Amen. 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 So his body didn't did indeed die. And he was on that cross all of that time. And, and when the, the veil was ripped open and torn in two, then that means then that we were able again, as I say, to have access directly to God. If we go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse number one. Okay. So he gave up the ghost. The veil in the temple was torn in two. And now we see what happens next in Matthew 28 here. It says, number one, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Interesting thing is that whenever an angel appeared and people reacted, either they bowed down or whatever they did, angels always said, fear not. Fear not. We don't have to be afraid of God's angels. Not at all. Okay. Okay. Contrasting if you're in, in the presence, I hope it never happens. If you're in the presence of demonic presence, you know, it, 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 that thing will not tell you to fear not because they prefer that you fear them. That's how they dominate you. But through fear, through fear, this is what we see happening today. This is why there is so much oppression upon the people in your community, in your state, in your neighborhood, in this country, wherever, you, in your country, wherever. Okay, evil uses fear to oppress and dominate people. Okay, okay. So this angel said, fear not, for I, I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, verse number six, underline. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen. He is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. All right. So you say, why are you looking for him here? Jesus is not dead. He is risen. Okay. You're looking in the wrong place. Do we oftentimes look for Jesus in the wrong place? Do we try to find him in, in a bar? 
You try to find him through, through other, other illicit things that may be going on in your life. You're not going to find Jesus there. Those places are places of death that you're looking at. Anything that is not of God, anything that is not involving Jesus Christ, anything that is not involving Holy Spirit, these are, these are, are things that are not be going to be life-giving uh, uh, circumstances for you. You don't look for Jesus in the wrong place. So he says, he's not here. Go. And so they departed quickly, verse 8, from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to his disciples to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, all hail. And they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Again, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they uh, that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Jesus said, don't fear. Tell them to go into Galilee and you're going to see me there. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money, large money unto the soldiers, saying, saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So in other words, they wanted to lie about Jesus' resurrection. Okay, they wanted to lie about it. The soldiers went there for fear because, first of all, Jesus rose on their watch. Remember, they were sent there to watch over the tomb. Jesus rose on their watch. So in other words, they went to, to the, uh, um, to the, into the city and, and to the chief priests who were orchestrating all of this stuff, you know, and told them what had happened. Okay, and when they were there, the elders said, okay, take this money, and I want you to say that his followers came and stole the body. Okay, I want you to say, take this money. This is what I want you to go and tell people now, to explain why Jesus was not in his tomb, that they came and stole away his body. They did not want any, any, any indication at all that something miraculous had happened here. Because Jesus had said that he was going to rise. Remember that, okay? They said that he was going to, he said he was going to rise. And all of a sudden, Jesus' body is gone. The chief priests and elders, they were the ones who, who sent him to the cross now. They're thinking, how are we going to explain this away? We can't say that Jesus was right, that somehow he miraculously rose. So you soldiers, I mean, take this money and you go and tell people that the body was stolen. Again, the lies perpetuated. Right. Again, we see this happening today with things that are going on. People trying to cover up. When evil is revealed, when evil is revealed, when evil is revealed, this is when the cover-ups ensue. When evil is exposed, especially, especially by, by, by God's goodness, by God's Holy Spirit revelation to people. When evil is exposed, right away they try to cover it up and try to cover it up with another lie. Jesus' body wasn't stolen away, okay? But you go and tell the people that this is what happened. So saints of God, I have to say to you today, God will reveal to you the truth of what all is going on. You just need to focus on him. Make sure you stay in constant prayer time with God. There's a lot of evil afoot today, the same way it existed back then. There's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of scheming. A lot going on to make things seem the way they want it to seem. 
God is the one that is in charge. God will give you truth. God will show you truth. And not only is this involving things around you on a national level, this is involving things in your very personal life. If you've got conflict going on in your life right now and you're not sure, sure who to believe, you can believe God. Let God show you what the truth is. And don't be so quick to follow others, okay? Especially if someone is doing something wrong in your life, if someone is, is perpetrating something against you, don't go following and believing so quickly what others tell you. Let God show you and tell you what the truth actually is. Because then that's when you'll be victorious. Amen? Amen? So again, so they told him, you know, verse 13, saying, say you, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Okay, and if this comes to the governor's ears, if this comes to the president's ears, if this comes to the so-and-so's ears, okay, don't worry, we will persuade him and we'll take care of you. We'll secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this, this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still doubted. And here they saw Jesus. They knew what Jesus had said he was going to do for all of this time, but they saw Jesus and they still doubted. How many of us still doubt today? Okay. Even though we not have physically seen Jesus Christ, but we have something that they do not have, that, that, that they did not have. And that is we have the written word of God. We have the Bible that you are hopefully reading from right now. You have all of that written that, that has pulled all of this together for you to easily read. They did not have it written before them, but they saw Jesus. Okay. But how many of us today reading God's word, and maybe some of you have experienced some miracles in your life. Maybe you've had some really wondrous things happen. But how many times when, when the rubber meets the road there that, that you still have these seasons of doubt? You've got to cast out that gout, doubt. Bind up that foul, lying spirit. I know sometimes I do that, say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you right now, you foul, lying spirit. Get away from me. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and greater is he, the spirit of the living God that's in me, than you, foul spirit, that's in this world. Because that lying spirit will come to you to try to make you doubt what the word of God says. Remember last week what I said when Jesus was in the wilderness there being tempted by the devil, how many times did he start his, his, uh, his statements, the devil, with, uh, if you are the son of God, if, trying to make Jesus doubt who he was. Jesus knew who he was and Satan knew who he was. Okay. Well, you hopefully know who you are. And guess what? Satan knows who you are. And if you're a born again believer, remember that the spirit of God that's in you is greater than any spirit that is out there, any spirit of darkness that's out there. Holy Spirit is greater than. So don't let him lie to you. Don't let him lie to you. Okay? So here they saw Jesus, and they said they worshipped him, but then there was some that doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go, you therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Remember that Jesus is with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen to that. Okay. Regardless of what's going on around us, Jesus is with us. And there's a lot that's going on around us. There is a, a full court press, I'm telling you, to, to persecute us Christians, to shut our mouths, to get us from talking about Jesus, to keep us from believing in Jesus, you know, from wanting to bow down and worship man, you know, to bow down and worship man and to, and to start thinking, oh boy, only the government can help me, only man can help me. 
God is the only one that can help you. And Jesus Christ proved that by going to the cross for us, for you, for me. And he said that, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay. The world is not over yet. And the world's not going any place until God is ready to do whatever he's going to do, what the word of God says he's going to do with this plan to be a new heaven and a new earth and so on. You know, God is in full control of this creation, his creation. So don't listen to people who's talking about, oh, we got so many more years to live and, and, and so many years before the planet is destroyed and all of this. That is pure poppycock. Okay. God is in charge of this planet. There's nothing that man can do that can do anything to, um, to, to, to perpetuate the, the, the longevity of this physical planet Earth. Nothing that man can do. God is the one that's in charge. It's fear mongering. That's what this is. Okay. And I'm not going to get into a climate change discussion and all that sort of thing. I'm sure there are some of you out there that really believe that it is, you know, that, and, and climates do change. They have changed since the creation of this planet. Off and on, they've gone back and forth so many different ways. You know, scientists, true science will really tell you that. All right. Okay. Now, 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 and again, I just have to say, this is my feeling on this. I just do not believe and I do not understand how any true Christian of God, anyone that is really a Christian, really a believer, can fall to that stuff and start thinking that's the, 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 that what, what man is doing is going to kill this planet. What about God? Where is God? You know, Do you have the faith to believe that God is going to take care of us, that God is going to care for this planet, that God will care for every inhabitant that's on this planet that has faith in him? Okay. All right. Man can't control anything. He certainly can't control the weather. Not really. Look at, look at, look at how many here in the United States we've had tornadoes in some places lately that, that normally don't have tornadoes. Look at the earthquakes that are happening around. It, it, you know, look, look, look at the storms that just, man cannot prevent a storm. Man doesn't know how to predict an earthquake. Man cannot control this planet. Only God can. So there's nothing that we can do, you know, we cut down and, and stop supplying this and ban stoves, ban this and ban that and ban the other and everything. No, 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 no. We need to look to God. If there is anything that we can do to make things better for living environment, yes, by all means, we can do things to make life better for, I don't know, I don't know for trees, for animals or whatever, that, that's fine. But don't get on this thing of making people fear that if we don't do specific things that all of a sudden this planet is going to blow up and die or suffocate or whatever they're saying is going to happen in X number of years. No man knows. Not to mention the whole thing about the rapture, too, about us being raptured away and so forth like that. No, no one knows when Jesus is going to return. So how does that figure into their climate change destruction thing? Okay. How does that figure in? But of course, they won't talk about that. And I don't want to get sidetracked into it myself, but just saying to you that this scripture here says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So that means Jesus has to say something about the end of the world. God knows when that's going to be, not mankind, not man. All right. So you see here that he just told them to just to just just go. He, he left them with to go into our um, went into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus appointed them. And then he was there. And then they were told to continue and go other places to go somewhere else. And we're going to see by going to Acts one. Acts one, verse one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, 
to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay, so again, now this is proof. This is some of the things, you know, that we should realize after the resurrection that happened. Okay, for 40 days, it says he was seen by many with infallible proofs. He had proof the fact that he was alive. He was out there. He was talking. And so he showed himself alive after his pa- The passion here after his passion is referring to after his time on the cross. Okay. By many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. All right. So again, this is proof that he was indeed alive. He was walking and talking and interacting with people. Verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. All right. So he was telling, I want you to tarry, to tarry, to stay. Okay. Because the way John baptized with water, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Jesus knew that he was on the way to return to the Father. But one more thing he had to do. One more thing he had to permit to happen. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. All right. So he's saying to you, they asked him, when is the time to restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In other words, only God the Father knows when all these things are going to happen. Okay, so it's not for you to know the time. Don't worry about it. But in the meantime, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the othermost part of the earth. Okay, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. Then when he spoke in his things, he was taken up in a cloud, received out of sight. Verse 10 is on to say, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So he's saying that you're going to see him come again. Okay, you're going to see him come again. All right. They returned, uh, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming, they went up into an upper room where both abide, uh, where both both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, uh, uh, Simon, Zelots, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They prayed, they stayed there in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. Okay? So they stood there, they did as Jesus said, they were in this upper room, and they were on one accord in, in praying. On one accord means that they were in agreement. We in the body of Christ, we need to start getting more in agreement. So I'm looking at the so many things that separate us. Okay. This is the kind of music I play in my ministry. I play this kind of music. This is this, this is that, this and that. You know, we dress like this. We don't dress like this or whatever. You know, the bottom line is, do you love Jesus Christ? In your church, in your ministry, do you love Jesus Christ? Are you doing things and carrying out services in accordance with the word of God? 
Are your tenets of faith, which you believe in as a ministry, are they in accordance with God? There are so many tenets of faith this day that are changing to accept world values instead of going by what the word of God says. They want to appeal to so many segments of the populations, which are popping up more and more, these various segments, quote unquote, of the population. You can't be appealing to everyone and trying to say that you're a church. You got to be going by what the word of God says. So we need to come together. We need to be on one accord. Are we going to be followers of Jesus and followers of Jesus only? Not followers of the city council, not followers of, 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 of uh, the, the government, not followers of this group or that group or this group, okay? Because nowadays there are so many di- different special interest groups that are popping up. Everyone's got their own thing and they're all trying to get us, all of us to bow down and to worship and to follow what they believe. We have to bow down and follow what God says, what the word of God tells us to do. Okay. God loves them all. but He does not want them to perish, but it's their lifestyles. It's the things that they're doing that God does not love. It is not in accordance with his word. God is not hypocritical. He's not going to say and do one thing and, and tell us to do something and then not really, really believe that himself, obviously. Okay. So we need to be on one accord. And then in the last scripture, you go to second chapter of Acts. And I'm sure, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Those that have been in the Bible for a while, the second chapter of Acts, starting with verse number one. And it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, This was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said this would happen. He told them to go and wait. Now Holy Spirit was made available to them. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, if he had not been resurrected, if he had not done everything that God the Father told him to do and returned to the Father, then the Holy Spirit could not have been poured out for us. So now we benefit, benefit from what was done on the cross by Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is how the resurrection impacts us today and why it is so important for us why it is so important for us to, to, uh, to, to worship the Lord and continuing, to continue to have Jesus in our life and, and to continually pray and to continually seek the face of Holy Spirit. Let him, let him guide us. Let him guide you into everything that you are going through in your life right now. Jesus accomplished all of this and fulfilled prophecy so that we could have abundant life. Jesus came so that people may have life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. We receive this abundant life the moment that we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Okay. If you don't know Jesus yet, this is the time. You need to do this now. We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but you need to be able to accept him as Lord and Savior and invite him into your life. Confess him as your Lord and Savior and then let him con- continue guiding him until he returns. The word abundant in the Greek word is in the Greek is parison, meaning exceedingly very high beyond measure a quantity so abundant as to be considered more than what one would expect or anticipate. This is what Jesus came to give us, abundant life. In short, Jesus promises us a life far better than we could ever imagine. All right? 
In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? You can't even begin to imagine what God has prepared for you. You can't even begin to a dream or even imagine if you simply follow him, follow him, follow him. So on this Resurrection Sunday, if this isn't Sunday for you yet leading into it, or even if it's after Resurrection Sunday, consider your life. Think about whether or not you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, it's very easy to do. You don't need to do anything fancy. You simply have to say, Lord Jesus, okay, I confess all of my sins, all of the things that I've been involved in. Okay, I turn away from them. I repent of those sins. Lord Jesus, I cannot manage my life anymore. Lord, I want to give it all to you. Lord Jesus, just simply come into my life. I believe, I believe, I really believe that you are the son of the living God. I believe it. Your belief is very, very important. The word of God says that if you confess his name, if you believe. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take over my life. I give it to you willingly. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Guide me. Guide me in the mighty name of Jesus. It's that simple. As long as you believe what you just said and you mean it in your heart, then you're born again and you're saved, which means now that you have Holy Spirit. Okay. According to the word of God, not my words. Okay, You confess the Lord, you accept Jesus, and it says Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body, in you. So now you have access to Holy Spirit, and he is, wow, he's your comforter, he's your guidance. You know, the word of God in the Greek says paraclete, you know, your, your advisor, your counselor. He's all that you need in this life. Okay. So remember, this is what the resurrection was all about. The resurrection made this possible for you today to take a step that is going to impact the rest of your life. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, why don't you find others where to, to, uh, to reach us? Give this link to others that are out there that maybe need the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give it to your loved ones, friends, people at work, people in school. They can be found at www.genesis1.sermon.net www.genesis1.sermon.net If you look at the top of the page, there's a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically whenever these messages are available. Uh, we're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. We have free apps, free of charge, on Android and uh, Apple phones. They can be found that the apps can be found at their respective uh, Play stores. Um, we can also be, you know, you can download all of this stuff. I mean, there's so much I just want to tell you. I don't have time to do it all, but uh, you can download these messages, okay, in video form or in audio only form. You can download them free of charge. Everything is free of charge for you to play back in the, in the car or another time the day. Uh, again, I don't know if this is Resurrection Sunday that you're listening to this message on, but if you're listening to it before Resurrection Sunday, you know, and you want to save it or whatever, you want to pass it on, you can just download it free of charge and, and save it and pass it on or whatever you want to do with it later on. Praise God. Praise God. Again, I say I hope this message was a blessing to you and um, go forth and be blessed. All right. And, and remember, this is Resurrection Sunday, you know, and this indeed has meaning for your life that can take you into the future. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And I pray that as we go through the balance of the week ahead of us, that we shall remember these words, O Lord. Keep these words deeply, deeply planted in our spirits, that they cannot be stolen away by the evil one when he tries to come our way. Lord God, we thank you so much for giving us your only begotten Son, O Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the work that was done on the cross, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for all things, both great and small. We praise you, Lord God. We love you. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Have a wondrous, beautiful day and week ahead of you until next time when you come back. Amen. And I pray that you go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.